0: This is the aftermarket Radio network. Hey, good afternoon all my automotive aftermarket People's Carm Capriato here. It is another, let me see week 307 town. Hall Academy from Remarkable Results Radio. Glad to have you all here. It's always good. Good to have you reaching out to the podcast to elevate yourself. And your organization, using the podcast as a a guide to service professional business acumen. We're going to talk about learning to lead, empower your people. I wish I could work for all of these guys I have on my panel. It would be so much fun, I know the love is there for sure. Uh, this is a pretty heavy panel i I understand, and th- there's there's a reason that, as I was going over my lists and, and thank God you all said yes to come on, these are great leaders in our industry, get great businesses, have been asked to speak everywhere, they either coach they're givers of our industry, which is another reason to be here. Uh, we want to reach out to our great sponsors that make the Town Hall Academy possible. Hey, okay, you quoted a job last month and the customer just said yes, but the price for parts just went up a notch. Well, when you use Shopware's native parts catalog, you simply update pricing with just one click. Talk to my friends at Shopware at GetShopware.com. And join ASE Certified Master Technician and Senior Delphi Technologies Instructor Dave Hobbs. And uh, he'll be providing training just about anywhere and even online. Delphi has over 30 courses run by ASE Certified Technicians with more offerings coming soon. Learn more and inquire about courses at DelphiAfterMarket.com. Okay, gang, let me introduce my team. Brian Sump, Avalon Motorsports and Urban Auto Care. Denver, multi-shop operator, five stores. Hey, Brian. Hey, good morning, Tom. Blessed to be with you guys. Glad you're here, man. Andy Bisbis here, Midwest Performance Car Chicago, multi shop owner. Couple of stores in Chicago. Hey, Andy. Afternoon, gentlemen. AJ Neely, Neely's Auto Service, Edgewater, Maryland. Five stores. Hey, AJ. Hey,
1: good to be here. It's afternoon on this side.
0: Did I say morning, by any chance?
1: Oh, well, Brian, it maybe Brian it's still had- morning over there. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, Darren and I. I guess it was just yeah. you said it.
2: We're we're twelve oh five here. So yeah, that's good. what I thought. We just <laughs> I just got
0: me. you on the cusp there, Jerry Kazaya, the Auto Shop, Plano, Texas. Hey, Jerry. Hey, brother. And Darren Barney's here from Barney Brothers Off Road and Repair, Grand Junction, CO. Hi, Carm.
3: Great to be here with these guys. I'm excited to be here.
0: What a great panel! In fact, in the green room before we started, a few of you don't know each other, and it was fun to hear your thirty-second elevator speeches. That was kind of cool. I like that. bunch of things today: learn to lead, empower your people. I am so passionate about us as aftermarket business owners and upcomers and service, you know, and, and the service counter, including technicians who who want to be owners someday, to learn to lead. And ultimately it it involves empowering your people. And hopefully today we're going to cover people need to feel loved. Frankly, the best places that I, you know, I own my own place, but when I went to work for other people for, for many years in, in uh, corporate America, the best boss that I ever had was a person who made me feel loved. Strong leadership. People want strong leadership. They want to be held accountable. And as Jerry, I think will point out in a little bit, the times have changed. We really need to rethink how we are leaders and help your people fail forward is another topic we're going to cover and love them or lose them. I believe uh, one of you guys covered that. So let's do, uh, let's start off with Brian. Uh, Let's talk about that loved thing. And Brian, before you say anything, you remember the the scene in Animal House where they threw all that stuff up at the screen when they wanted to see if they wanted to vote Flounder in as a potential brother? And people, I thought they were going to throw tomatoes at me when I got up in front and I said, hey, uh, love is a critical part of being a great leader. And I said, can I change the definition of love to be a verb? And that is that we care for each other.
3: Yeah this is an
2: interesting one because uh, you want to make technicians, and managers in the automotive industry shudder, like walk in the room and just talk about how you love them. right That's a, that's a good way to, to get people a little off kilter. Interestingly, in the, uh, in the Greek language, there's six different words for the word love. In English, we have one. So it kind of it leaves a lot for interpretation. In our organization, I know many others, some even on this panel, we're talking about love as, a, as an unconditional means to know that, that, that you're cared for, appreciated and valued. Um, and that we're going to take care of you. So talk about the concept of stewardship. This is something that we, we talked about at the, the Transformers a couple of weeks ago in, in my closing keynote. And we talk about this, what, what I call a noble obligation or in French, noblesse oblige. And it's an obligation that you have just because of the platform of influence that you possess. And part of that obligation is to make sure people know that they're loved and cared for. Uh, and so uh, interestingly, I mean, many of us have studied Maslow's hierarchy of need. This kind of goes into that middle rung of the five, that love and belonging portion. The interesting part of this, Karm, and I, others may have comments on this, like we love when when we get to the point to where a shop foreman and a manager hug us when we come in and leave the Christmas party saying, I love you. Thanks for everything. When you can get to that point, you've torn down some walls. Some people, it's still awkward after 10 years. Some people... It, they have tears in their eyes and they do it with great genuineness. But I think that, that um, once they know they're loved and cared for, you can open up a big Pandora's box with them about what they could accomplish.
0: I don't know about you, Darren, but I think you kind of uh, subscribe to that.
3: I do. I agree 100% with what Brian was saying. Um, you've got to love them. If you don't, somebody else will. I mean, these are people that are giving up so much of their free time, not necessarily their free time, but their life, to work and come and, and devote so much to what uh, what they're going to do. and. If you don't love them and care for them, when those hard times come and the storms come, I mean, I don't care how good of a shop owner you think you are, you're going to go through the peaks and valleys. I mean, it's part of life; it's what we do. And when those hard times come and the car counts down, or you have comebacks or whatever it is, the challenges. I mean, that's that's when they stick with, that's when they stay. You know, it's when they believe in you and they know that you believe in them, and they're more than just a production, more than just uh, something needed there to uh, to make money off of them, if you will. I mean, it's, it's it's so important that we actually love them as people.
0: You know, to everyone's point, Jerry, you believe that that. Uh, times have changed and uh, how does this love connection fit into the new way we should lead you know carm years ago when i opened my
4: shop there was a one of the parts houses a local local to us and the guy who owned it his name was gene great guy when you got to know him but his employees the way he would yell and scream at them it was i mean like every time i think about it i'm still shocked they would have the radios in the trucks and he'd yell Willie, where in the hell are you at? And I mean, he would, I could hear it inside the shop. He would yell so loud, right? And I mean, he's like, can you imagine doing that today? Oh my God, no, times are so totally different. <laughs> I mean, you can't raise your voice to people anymore, right? Times are so different. You have, we've had to become a different manager, a different management style to work with people today than what we used to do in the 50s, 60s, 70s, even the 80s. I mean, it's just, it's just part of it and loving them, loving the guys that work for you. When COVID started, we began providing lunch every day for the entire company. We still provide lunch every day for the entire company. It's become part of what we do for our people. It's how we get to know them. You're having lunch with these guys every single day. We also have mini shop meetings. I mean, we talk about everything, if you can imagine, Two and a half almost three years now of lunch every single day. Uh, man, you get to know a lot about all of your team. And owners tell me it's expensive, you can't afford to do this. And hell, how do you how do you afford not to
0: do this? AJ, uh, I, I so agree with Jerry about the question. Uh, I can't afford to do this, I can't afford to send my people to training. I so badly want to do a, a solo episode, and if you will do some upside the heading with some people and all the excuses that I hear. You know, hey, so Carm, how do you really feel? Well, I hear about this, I hear about this, and I hear about this. And then the top 10% come in and tell me, all oh, that's wrong, so who's right? You've got to spend time with great leaders, right, AJ?
1: Oh, 100%. You know, what you were just talking about, too, those are investments, investments in your yeah. people. And again, back to like the common yeah. theme here, really, at the end of the day, yeah. you know, your your team just want to feel valued. And it's amazing that, you know, people are willing to take a pay cut. Just, you know, like, Honestly, I heard Michael Strahan always talk about when he's on Good Morning America every morning, he's making sure he touches everyone in that office with a fist bump, a handshake, a pound in the back, whatever it is. And that goes a long way. Just asking those really just, I mean... Easy questions asked, like, "Hey, how's your family doing? You know, how's your newborn doing? What are you doing this weekend?" Like, just asking about them is all it takes. It doesn't cost you anything. Those little things. So, if someone's worried about a financial, you know, uh, buying lunch every day might be extreme for a lot of shop owners out there, but it doesn't cost you anything to just check in and, and make them feel valued, reward and recognize your great talent. Things of that sort, and you know, again, for being a good leader that inspires others, yes, you do. You want to you want to continue to uh, surround yourself with people better than yourself. For example, Brian and I were just kind of talking about that. And I, I had first time I ever heard about this. It was a Vistage Group, and it's more like a CEO roundtable group. We talk about peer groups for our specific industry in automotive repair, but to get around other leaders and CEOs, again, it's very lonely at the top. So to get around others in other industries that are in your backyard that go through that daily struggle. That's how you can continue to build yourself and and continue to learn and and improve yourself as as a leader. And we always talk about, you know, the five levels of leadership from John Maxwell, right? And getting to that fifth level, right, is the pinnacle, right? To be a leader that develops leaders who are leaders that can teach and develop more leaders, right? So it's self-perpetuating. That's what we're always striving to get to.
0: Thanks, AJ. Andy, you just had an episode released today. I mean, I think uh, we have Andy Bizzib Overload going on on the podcast, and I did not plan it like <laughs> this, Andy, so I just didn't. You told a great story about sending your, not only yourself to great leadership training, but putting your people through it. Give us a few minutes on that.
5: People really desire strong leadership, even though we, we might think that they don't. But And strong leadership is not coming into a room and issuing a bunch of commands and sweater. And because think about who's the stronger person the leader that comes in and and you know throws off a bunch of commands or the leader who comes in and looks at a problem or a situation and says you know what this is on me because you might not have gotten it done the way the way we wanted to get it done but that's because i didn't put you in a position to do that taking ownership of the situation and being the strong leader that people desire to follow Think of any situation in a classroom, in a workplace, on the battlefield. People want to know that they're being led by competence and strength and caring. And, you know, Brian, something you said just just really rung true to me. I've never even thought about this, but over the years, we have developed to the point where, you know, when I come back to my shop after being away for a week or two, I got people coming up and, and hugging me. It just developed that way, and that's the kind of feel that we have in, in our operation. And as the strong leader really develops all the people below them to be leaders in their own right, and all the way down the continuum of positions in our two shops, everyone has an area where they can take on a leadership role. And I've said this to you before, Carm, even you know our apprentice tire-changing guy, He can take leadership in his area of expertise. He can talk to anyone else in the shop and say, look, I think this is a better way of doing something. Being able to empower your people to all be there, take individual leadership. It doesn't mean you have a, you have a whole bunch of chiefs and, and no, no soldiers, but for people to know that they can grow into their own leadership roles is a really powerful thing to have, to have for your crews.
0: Andy has sent uh, himself and some of his people to Jocko Wilnick's training. And uh, boy, did I hear stories about how great that was. Just
5: incredible training brought to you from people who relate these, their experiences in, let's face it, much more dire and difficult circumstances than we deal with every day. But bringing those kind of experiences into the everyday world and talking about taking ownership and being the leader that your people want you to be.
0: And Andy says that it even includes PT when you go to those seminars. And he also told me it's extremely affordable. Let the industry look into this. Who says we can't close down and go to vision? Who says we can't send people to Jocko Wilnick's leadership seminars? Who says we can't? Who says we can't feed them every single day, right, Jerry? And so, if nothing, this podcast, this this these stories on leadership that we're hearing, I hope changes a lot of people's minds. I really do. Let's just us drive in a little harder into this uh, about having autonomy, Brian. Yeah,
2: autonomy is kind of a funny thing because um, like you see both ends of the spectrum. You see the ends where somebody hires a person with certain attributes or experience in or outside the industry. And autonomy can mean the interviews went great, references checked out, um, we love this person, we we'll are put him in a position, and then it's just set the button and go. Uh, maybe somebody like Jerry, who's run several businesses or myself, That those, sometimes that happens. You just get this great operator or great leader that can come in and just rock it and you're not really around. But let's just not fool ourselves. That's not very common. Um, the other end of the spectrum is, is that you paint this picture. I will set the bar here to talk about extreme clarity on what, why and how. I personally believe, I think we'd all agree that if you miss any one of those three, the what, the why or the how, you've not fully accomplished what you set out to do here. There's going to be cultural impact there. There's going to be operational impact, certainly the outcome for how your internal and external customers feel. But the other end of that spectrum is, all right, we've, I've taught them, I've trained them. They know what, why and how, but you're hovering. So autonomy also means they need to have a certain amount of leeway. Uh, They need to be equipped and empowered to accomplish what you've all set up to do. I mean, maybe it doesn't look the same month six or month 12 or year two than it does year three, four, and five as they're growing. uh, Maybe you've got to adjust and give a little bit more, a little bit more freedom and autonomy. But I'll also say, and I'll I'll add to that, that when you put somebody in that position, I think that how you define your desired outcome and how you define the training parameters are going to make... A huge difference in whether somebody feels like they're being micromanaged or they're hovered over or they're just not there's not enough touch points. And I mean, in this today's marketplace, what we're finding, at least, is that there needs to be a lot more touch points with team members for them to feel seen, heard and valued as maybe I think Darren or somebody a moment ago just uh, or maybe AJ mentioned I also want to just comment that I think there's this concept that we have learned years ago. You know, you pour into somebody. We have examples of times when we, like we paid significant amounts of money to help somebody in their personal life, whether it's physical health, uh, living situations, um, I mean, buying beds or or new boots or clothing or whatever. And then months later, they're not with you anymore. And there, early on and, and even recently in my career, I felt at times taken advantage of a little bit as an owner and you realize, well, it's the right thing to do. But sometimes people just don't reciprocate like what you pour into them. And I think we also have to be mindful if they're not reciprocating, if they don't appreciate it, if it's not spurring them on to be great and excel, maybe we have to take a step back and take a look at, is it me? Is it how I'm training and empowering them and equipping them? Or is there some reason that this person can't or doesn't want to accomplish it? And we need to be mindful of
0: all of those things. Boy, that's a great point, guys. Any discussion on that to invest and then leave?
5: Those kind of people can self, it's, they self-identify. You can start to see, you know what? This may not be the person who is the best fit for our organization. And if that's the case, you know, then I have no problem with helping them to find a better fit, you know, because ultimately we want people who really do, who are comfortable, who enjoy working with our other team members, enjoy working in the organization and, and value our company. Because I was thinking about this. Think about the way that our parents and grandparents, what company loyalty, Meant in their time, you know, a lot of times it was, it was company. Yeah. He's a company man or, you know, a company woman, but they really might not have really loved the company that they work for, but they're like, yeah, you know, if I can stay, stay in this for gut it out for 30 years, you know, and retire with a pension, you know, when we're talking about the different way that we do business nowadays, I think we really look to engender a true appreciation. And if not love, at least a deep like for the organizations that we create and that people work for. Boy, I tell you, when you get to that point culturally where you've developed, where you're in the process of developing or develop that kind of organization, the natural feedback you get from people can be just amazing. You know, when I send an idea around to uh, my five top uh, key office people and say, hey, just, you know what, watch this little YouTube video and tell me what you think. And then I get back these amazing feedback where I see that they're getting it. It's very gratifying,
1: you know, to know that people are really engaged at that level. Yeah. And I was just going to touch on that as far as, uh, you know, kind of empowering them and giving that autonomy to work and also make mistakes. Right. And it's getting away from that micromanagement kind of mindset. No one, you know, I've got this poster at my uh, office at the Edgewater store where it's the difference between a boss and a leader. And the boss is the one with the whip, you know, hitting his people, trying to move the ship. And, uh, And the leader's the one at the front. You know, and everyone is following that individual to, to pull that ship. So that's the true difference between the two. Right. And so anyway, giving them the ability to make mistakes is huge because they need to also learn from their mistakes. Right. And then at that point, too, then we talk about the definition of insanity. Right. If they're making the same mistake over and over. Well, maybe they aren't a great fit. But also, too, I got to say that, uh, you know, again, back to that, to that love for our people. It's not for everyone. You're always going to have a lot of people that uh, would rather just go through the motions, come in every day, clock in, clock out and roll out. The culture is is can be a little. It's a shock for a lot, especially in our industry, right? I always talk about this is that one of our uniques in our in our business is we're cultured in an uncultured industry. It's not just automotive repair; it's trades in general. Like people aren't necessarily have been treated as humans, honestly, for so long. So, really, for some of some people, it's just not what they're into. They just want to be left alone and do their thing, and that's fine. And and look, we all have that within our company about just those those silent heroes, as we call them, where they do, they come in, they do great work. They enjoy that, but they don't necessarily want to be pushed to continue to be a leader, right? Not everybody wants that, but everyone has the ability to be that. And I think that's to someone's point that I was mentioning earlier is everyone, even from your, you know, your apprentice tire changer, everyone, regardless of your position, has the ability and the authority to influence and be a leader to the person to their left or to the right.
3: I got to share something with that. So, I Ava. Awesome guy that's worked with me. And he, he started, when we interviewed him, we did the process and we asked him exactly, you know, if money was an issue, what would you do with the rest of your life? And uh, he said, I would play video games. You know, my wife and brother and I, there's always the three of us when we do this interview process. And the three of us afterwards were like talked about, it it's like, yeah, I don't know if we want this guy on the team. Anyway, we ended up taking a chance with him. And uh, just for a UPS position, he, he used to ship parts for us and just do just stuff that we needed him to do really basic car delivery, things like that. And he now fast forward all these years later, and now he's, he's my shop foreman and he's just, has developed into this guy that implements stuff. And I can tell him, Hey man, we're going to be doing an LS swap and this date and, you know, just do your thing. And he'll go through and he'll get all of the parts and pieces. And he's just, we we joke that he's the bulldog because. He just has this brain that he can go in and just solve anything. We can give him the weirdest projects and he can do it. But last night at our company party, he came up to me and he gave me a big hug and he and he he hugged me and, and I was it was a little strange because he held me longer than normal, right? And it's the whole thing. And I'm like, this is weird. Okay. So his name's Johnny and I'm like, What's up, Johnny? And he's like, you know, he's like, Thanks for believing in me.
5: Yeah.
3: He goes, you know, he goes, he goes, When I started with you guys, he said. He goes, I just wanted to just come in and I just want to be a cool part of these Jeep stuff. And he's like, but he goes, I just appreciate you believing, you know, and Mm -hmm. it's like, cool because I'm seeing it all these years later to be able to see that. And he's, he's my shop foreman, you know I mean? Literally this guy, I can give him any project. He gets it done. And it's one of those things, but you would have told me that years ago when I hired him. I I never would have guessed. I never would have guessed, but we just continue to add fire to him, you know? Yeah.
0: Darren, did you see something really special in him? That's why you kept him and groomed him?
3: <laughs> my wife did. <laughs> my brother and I were like, I mean, you know, it's the whole lot of the lid. We always want to make sure we're hiring people better than us, right? And so, when I, I mean, and my brother and I were just like, no, I don't I don't want him. And, and my wife's like, I don't know, there's something special about him. And so we put him in that position. And anyway, I don't want to even get into too much details, but he really took that position. He, he grew it because we take a lot of new parts off trucks and Jeeps. And so what we do is we, if the customer doesn't want them back, we put them back and sell them on eBay or Facebook or wherever. And he took that whole position and just totally grew it into something that I didn't know was even there. So my wife saw it. I didn't see it.
0: I'll bet you that everyone on the panel has an experience like that and has an individual still with them that you weren't quite sure of, but there was something special there.
3: Oh, yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Sure. But you never know that, you know,
0: I mean. And in fact, it was so many years ago that this one individual that came to work for me and couldn't get some of the basic tasks, it was really understanding the point of sale system. Struggle, 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 struggle. But there was something there to the point where all the people that have ever worked for me for all them years, I mean, I probably can remember maybe a dozen names. His is at the top of my list that I remember. Because I believed in him.
5: We have a young man working for us that uh, we hired. He's been with us for three years now. Uh, He was 20 when he started. He could not literally pick up the phone and speak. Uh, He was so shy. And now he's our most prolific talker on the phone. He's a very accomplished uh, automotive photographer. He is a complete gearhead. He and his girlfriend, that's all they do every weekend is go to car events. He knows everything every exotic car owner in chicago and can usually recognize any car going down the street just by hearing it i mean the kids he's really an amazing or a really amazing person but he could not speak on the phone when he started so we just we just brought him up you know kind of the behind the scenes he, he wouldn't answer the phones for the first couple months and then we slowly got him into it sent him to training and he, he's fantastic he's a key player in our in our main downtown shop today
0: Jerry, any special uh, tactic for firing up
4: people? Well, the first thing that we'd like to do is, and this is going to be really crazy, the five love languages is a really good way to find out what your folks get fired up about. Right? You've got to be able to talk to them in the language that they understand. We just did it again, and I recommend that you do it uh, for your team. You can go online. It's literally a two-page PDF. It's the Five Love Languages Test by Dr. Gary Chapman. There is a total of 30 questions, and you total it up, and you find out what it is that fires them up. Both of our service advisors, our service managers, it's words of affirmation. Words of affirmation. All I have to do is tell them, guys, you're knocking it out of the park. Great job. And you can just see... The difference that it makes, it's such a beautiful thing. The fact that we know the language that they listen with makes a huge difference. And, you know, I mean, I'm going to say there's a book out there that says fire them up or fire them or fire them or fire them up. I don't remember what it is. But at this point in my career, I can honestly say that we have churned enough people to get rid of the people we don't want to work with. And our shop is filled with people. I want to be around. I mean, I want them here. And it's like, I'll know within two weeks whether or not someone's going to fit our culture. And as I said earlier, if they're not going to fit, here, let me give you a couple weeks' money and help you find a place. I know somewhere where you would probably fit in. Go interview with them. Please go do all of us a favor. Go find another job. We refer to this as home one because we spend so much time here, home two. Is our house home three? Is the ranch, but home one. You spend so much time here. You need to be with people you want to be with. People that want to be there. You know, and, and why wouldn't you? I tell Lori, I'm going home.
2: She goes, which one? One. I'm going home one right now. She goes, okay. which one? <laughs> you, you know, Jerry, on that point, and uh, Carm, I think you may have, may have heard John DeJulia. Some of you may have read him. Uh, kind of leading the customer experience revolution one of the things that he shared with me at, at a dinner was that, you know how they say you become the average of the five people closest to you in your yes. life? Yes. He made a powerful comment. He said, think about the people in your company, let's say inside one of your store, if you're a multi-location operator, yes. he goes, we, we all understand they spend more time with each other than they do anybody else in their lives. He goes, what about the inherent responsibility that we have as owners and leaders to su- surround each of those people with the highest quality other people? Because you're basically forcing upon them who they're going to become Absolutely. by the people that they're spending 40 to 50 hours a week with. And I thought that was um, a pretty unique, uh, you know, perspective on that whole
0: thing. Hey, stop guessing and get working on the next car or the opportunity to buy a second shop. Now, once you can see through the fog of numbers coming at you all day, you use less brain power to make better decisions. Start with reading the gauges on every bay and every tech with Shopware's capacity dashboard. Now, it makes it easy to see where you can squeeze in one more repair. Then get an overview of every business metric in your shop. Build your reports your way so the numbers that drive you jump out at you whenever you need them. Even if you add more shops to your operation, all the numbers end up consolidated by location or any way you want to slice and dice them. You're in control every step of the way, customizing as you go. Get a clear view. Get more profits. Get Shopware.com. As the trusted aftermarket brand for over 100 years, Delphi Technologies is by your side for every step of the repair process. The Delphi journey doesn't stop once the parts are ordered. Wherever your journey takes you, our quality parts gives you ease of mind when getting your customer's vehicle back on the road. Technicians know and trust Delphi as a quality brand. Each product undergoes rigorous testing to not only meet OE standards, but also enhance it in each opportunity. From 700 hours of spray testing on chassis components to fuel pumps tested for reliability up to 150,000 miles. And safety and reliability is paramount to help vehicles drive cleaner, better, and further throughout their lives. Delphi is also committed in developing products and services to prepare technicians for the future. Take advantage of how-to videos on YouTube, technician-led trainings, and our technical support line, and more. Turn to the aftermarket parts supplier with over 100 years of OEM trust and quality. Learn more about Delphi. Visit DelphiAftermarket.com. Hey, uh, Brian, thank you for dropping John DeJulius' name. I did have a chance to interview him in Cancun. And you introduced him
2: too, Carm, that right? That was awesome. And I
0: introduced him too. I was honored to do that for Greg. And I had interviewed him a few years earlier. And so we were able to capture a lot of what went on in the keynote. But as a side note, we spent another hour with John Tracy and I afterwards find out that he, you know, we know he lives in Cleveland. He comes to a resort just south of our home here every year. And some great things happened. In fact, I even shared with him uh, some of my goals and he shared some of his with me. And uh, there's two incredible books. They'll be on the web page. They're on my books page on the website, including the uh, the five love words, Jerry. um, Love languages, love languages. In fact, I just got that book. I haven't started it yet. But thank you for dropping John to Julius. Very, very, very powerful messaging. Let's move into uh, something new here, AJ. I know you're implementing EOS in your business, and this isn't an episode about EOS. But has that helped you? Empower your people to a whole new level.
1: Oh my goodness! Uh, yeah, you know EOS—it's the playbook in which we run our business on. It comes with a set of uh, of tools. There's a lot of different components to that. You know Barry Barrett. You know he's been uh, a repeat guest on your show, of course, Carm, but um, he's our implementer as well. And you know he always says too, if you're starting to trying to self implement with EOS, you know it's traction first, right? You got to start with those weekly meetings. And that allows, uh, that as far as the, there's the accountability piece with the scorecard and, you know, there's the process piece, the vision component, the people component, all that stuff. And, uh, with traction first, you know, you're dealing with those weekly meetings, you're having that open communication, you're building that they talk about the uh, uh the five dysfunctions of a team right if there is the absence of trust that's like your foundational dysfunction that exists and uh, then as a result there's that fear of conflict right so we're always trying to get over that first that first hurdle right because we want our teams at every location to be able to have open and honest dialogue as a team on a week to week basis and if you say you don't have issues that's an issue right so it gives every location the ability to bring up and talk about their issues as a team on a week-to-week basis, and empowering them too to solve them on their own, right? And so, initially, you know, when we're opening and starting a new location, we're implementing EOS a little slowly. We're kind of helping conduct those meetings because, again, a lot of times they've never worked for a location that's ever had a meetings to, to begin with. So kind of there holding their hands throughout the process as we're doing that. But what's great and what we're seeing it's at, like, say, for example, my flagship store, we really are just, we're kind of referees if we need to kind of step in in those weekly meetings, but we're empowering them and giving them the ability to solve issues on their own. And they determine who is going to be responsible for, you know, solving that issue. There's a distribution of to-dos on, that are, should be done on a weekly basis. And then, again, as you're starting to grow, too, you're determining your quarterly rocks. They understand, you know, what number they're held accountable to. So every person inside the organization has a number. And so when you get into that habit of doing it uh, and empowering them to make the decisions to solve their own issues, that gives them a sense. Again, they feel valued because we're letting them do it. So it's uh, it's great to see as you're starting to grow your people towards that.
0: Darren, I want to run over to you on this about uh, measuring and monitoring people's performance. AJ basically brought it up. Hey, they've got their numbers. And empowering their people, you shouldn't be worried about holding them accountable. In fact, if they're in the right position, they want that.
3: All of the superstars I've ever worked with and shop owners, whatever it may be, all of them want to know exactly what is expected of them. In fact, if you you will not hire a superstar, if you're trying to to grow your team and trying to grow your shop, and you won't hire somebody if you're not telling them how that, you know, what's going to be expected of the position and, you know, what they're going to be expected to do each day. I do daily tracking sheets. And in fact, I have all my clients do it. I mean, all the people on my team do it. Everybody does. What is expected for them each day? What do they need to do? I mean, even my shuttle driver can tell you how many miles he drove each day and how much time he was in the car. Because it's one of those things that it just helps them to feel important. They can actually share. It's like, you know what? Holy cow, I was out this many times, you know, doing this many customer shuttles. It's like, okay, cool. What can we do to help to limit that down so you're not in the car as much? It allows us as owners to... Because I'm not in my shop very much. I'm not very much at all there. But it allows me to look at it at any time, pull up that spreadsheet, look and see. Wow, sales numbers are down. Okay, phone calls are still coming in. Okay, what do we got going on here? And me be able to figure out what I can do to coach my team to grow and improve. So you got to always know what the minimum level is for that position. I mean, it's very simple to do. I mean, I don't want to go into too many details here, but if anybody who hasn't done this for their own business, I mean, it's so easy. You just look at it. Each tech should bill at least eight hours of billable time per day. So if you go and you look at that and you've got a service advisor and you're trying to create a time to explain to them what they need to do, it's like, okay, well, your bare minimum is I'd like to see you sell at least eight hours a day to help cover this technician's position. So you're helping them to connect the dots. They understand that it's not just a number they're trying to sell. They're actually doing it to help to keep this technician to stay busy. So that's the minimum level. And then, you know, you want to do a performance-based goal off of that. And you can set it for 10 or 12 or whatever hours you feel is reasonable that is going to push them to push themselves to get to that number. And of course, we, you know, there's always the argument, don't go too high because you go too high and they're going to, you know, fail. But if you go too low, then it's too easy to reach. And so you got to find that happy medium in there. But I think it's really important that no matter who you have working for you, that they know exactly what's expected of them each day when they come in.
0: One of the things I love about Brian is he told me that of the seven leaders in his company, none of them have automotive experience.
2: Let me preface that, Carm. None of them have automotive management experience, including myself. And and I think that's a key, that's a key thing. And The only reason I I really comment about this is because sometimes, and AJ, you you know, you've scaled to five stores and Andy, you've got a couple, Jerry run a bunch of businesses and Darren, you've seen everything in between. It's one thing when you, if you're running a single store, maybe two is as you scale, there's a different, different kind of challenges. Um, and I'll touch just for a brief moment before I unpack this a little bit about about mediocrity, and and I think Darren started to talk about accountability, and uh, but yeah, the interesting fact is is that um, you know I was a I was an outsider. I think many many know that uh, I I did not come from inside the industry when I owned my first shop, um, and then our two senior leaders, our director of operations of fifteen years and district manager of eight years, both were were just technicians that learned how to write service, learned how to manage, and then of course have been in senior leadership. Um, same thing with all of our current store managers never had automotive management experience. And so on one hand, we had to kind of, you guys know the phrase, um, I think there's a more crass phrase, but get rid of the sacred cow. You understand this? Um, which means we all have the sacred cows in our business, meaning like you, you don't touch them. They're just the way we've always done them. And by God, that's how we're going to do it. On one hand, you have this beautiful, noble thing that's happened in our organization where we found a way to raise up these great leaders, these high performing leaders. Um, but on the other hand, it, sort, it can sort of, it can sort of stall your growth because if you're waiting for that number two advisor to get to a point where they can manage a store, that can prevent growth. So we had this epiphany this year. We uh, during leader senior leadership team, and by the way, AJ love EOS. Um, and if, if you're not running that in your company, you're trying to grow on scale. I highly recommend the Gino Wickman model. But to say that we you know, finally the epiphany came and said, well, if we're going to really scale and grow, and our goal is to get to eight stores in the next year and a half, we have to be willing to sort of change that mantra. But I, I just thought I'd comment here briefly on. Like, What are the key things? When we look back over 15 years on these team members that continue t- to grow through the ranks, what are the common denominators? And one of them is trustworthiness. And they say, okay, it's one thing to say we need trustworthy people, but if you were to define it, how would you define it? So we say high integrity, which means a strong moral compass. They know how to do the right thing and they will do it. Truthfulness, transparency, and good stewardship. Okay, so we look for those those sorts of things. Second thing is loyalty. And I think Andy maybe just spent a while on that a moment ago, if I'm not mistaken. But it's okay, so loyal. Well, how do you define loyalty? Do they just stay with you? Or was there more to it? So we, we define things like showing up early or staying late if need be, uh, attending company functions. Like We hold a lot of those. And when they show up outside of work, I think it, it does something in context of building relationships in the entire company and being loyal, asserting themselves to honor the company and its people, being a brand ambassador, and then this concept of saying, tell me what needs to do be done and I'll do it. versus versus that's not my job or pushing back against that. So loyalty. And then the third thing is kind of this intangible, which is consistent implementation of what's being taught. So do they have a track record of being able to implement what you teach them? And if that pattern keeps repeating themselves, we always call it the the garbage compactor effect. I don't know if AJ maybe knows, but I think some of the more seasoned veterans on this call maybe do. The old garbage compactor was you put some in and it seems like it's full. And then you hit that button and it goes, crunches it down and you can put more in there. And then you compact it and you can put more in there. So as they build these unconscious competence habits, they keep progressing. It's been a cool thing to watch. Somebody want to comment on the garbage compactor please? I like I I that, like that because I like that cuz it also, you <laughs> yeah, know
5: what? Great. The garbage compactor also squeezes out the unneeded juice, right? <laughs> so they can forget, so they can get the gross. bad, you know, the, the not so great habits they get squeezed out and replaced by more quality <laughs> like content.
0: Uh, hey Jerry, can we make wine that way? Oh my God. <laughs> Yeah.
3: There's a lot of
2: mental <laughs> images <laughs> that could
1: happen. No, I, I didn't need out,
3: those right. mental images. No, I didn't.
4: <laughs> No,
5: Carl. Oh, no. Oh. Well, Brian, something when, when you mentioned about, about you know, about doing events, you know, company events outside of outside of work. So something that we did this year, which was really, I thought, really unique. I just had the idea. We're very involved in the Porsche community in Chicago because we do a lot of Porsche work. So I thought, you know, instead of having a a company Christmas party where we all get together and we all sit in a room and talk to each other, talk to the same people we talk to every day. I bought them all tickets to the Chicago Porsche Club annual dinner dance, which is a black tie event in downtown Chicago. The excitement that built up the month before the event about everybody going to rent tuxedos and get there. I mean, talking about it, it was just, the buzz was incredible. We went, it was last Saturday. We went to this event. It was just fantastic. I mean, it was such an, it was such a unique experience to have us all together in this setting, completely out of our daily element. More than half the company had never worn a tuxedo and they just had such a great time. And I didn't even have to say, you know, it's an open bar, but remember you're representing the company because they all took that huge pride in being this group from this company and seeing all the people in the Porsche community that so many of them that we work with. It was just very gratifying to see them
3: do that on their own. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. We do the same thing with the jeeping stuff. I mean, that's big in our world. You know, we go four wheeling. And so we'll take the team when we go down to Moab and during Easter Jeep and we close the shop down to go down and go four wheeling and go down to the vendor show. And it's always a highlight to get everybody out and everybody talks about it. And then they come back and they raz each other about calling somebody a throttle jockey because they were flooring it up and down that, you know, some, some obstacle. And, I mean, it's so important though, to have those team building things outside of work because again, that's when you get to see them who they are, you know? I mean, it, yeah. it's just so important.
1: We started doing that, incorporating that too in this past year because now we've got five stores. We have employees from other locations that never get a chance to see each other, meet each other, and we have a a Google Workspace chat, you know, where all the employees can talk about certain things or certain groups. We have a fitness accountability group, like all these things that you know, where there's an alignment in hobbies and things like that, which is great. But to have those all-company outings, like we had our first one this past summer in uh, in July, we rented out this whole ship. You know, and we had 50 people had spouses were invited. It was all catered for. It was, you know, the four hour tour out on the Chesapeake Bay and the weather couldn't have been better. And yeah, like you said, people would just talk about that yeah. stuff. Right. And those are the, the investments and activities that we do, whether it's top golf, we did an all company camping trip. We have a lot of people that love camping. So we did a whole camping thing, rented a bunch of sites at a KOA, getting the spouses out, people would bring their RVs and. It's stuff like that. And I like that point. I, I think the the loyalty piece that you kind of brought up, I think that was you, Brian, where um, you want to see who's loyal. It's the ones that consistently show up to those events. And I wholeheartedly agree with that.
3: Well, and the thing is, is that we have to remember that people leave people. They don't leave companies. You know, and so if you get that better job offer from somebody else, you're going to think about all those people you're leaving because you're leaving a family if you do it right. You know, and so I'm not saying you can't keep everybody, but man, I tell you what, you got those people that you've grown with and you've spent time with, you've laughed together, you've done stuff together. And then somebody comes in and tries to take them away. It's a lot more difficult because once again, they're leaving a family.
0: Yeah, I'm not going anywhere because I look good in a tux. Right, Annie?
3: <laughs> that's <laughs> right. such a cool idea. I mean, getting everybody dressed up in tuxes, I mean, that's awesome. Yeah, it was really a lot of
0: fun. Jerry, you had something to say? I do. I
4: want to be really clear on something. I see this happening a lot in small business. I'm a business coach. I do not coach the automotive industry, but I do coach other businesses. And one thing that's a common denominator in most small businesses that are run by mom and pop is we think that it's a family. We consider our employees as family and we sometimes forget to bring the business back into it, and what we end up doing is creating a country club atmosphere for the employees, and it's not as successful or profitable as it can be. So my caution to uh, whoever is listening to this is: it's really great to keep the thought of your people as employees that are you. You want them to think like their family, but I will promise you something: at the end of the day. If anything happens to the owner of the business and the business closes, they will be finding another job quickly. You must
2: continue to think of your business as a business and run it as such. Jerry, that's a, you know, I don't know if I can comment on that, Carmen, if we've got a couple, just a second here, because I think this it's it's so hugely important. And, and I'll share a personal story that ties in so much with that. The end of last year, you know, we had grown, we had had three stores in about 22 months. And depending on who you're talking to, that's either fast or maybe it's not as fast as some, but it was fast for us. Mm -hmm. And, um, at the end of the calendar year, the fiscal year as well, we were down probably three and a half points on margin, maybe four. And I will tell you that we had, we had spent a lot of time, effort and money, on the enhancing culture, right? Pouring into people, making sure they know they're loved and doing all these things that make people wanna stay. Well, back in 2015, that, that was the most important thing, according to Gallup polls, that team members wanted. Well, by the way, that's shifted quite a bit now. Um, it's now like number four, number five on the list. Uh, number one being pay. It's yeah. Pay has become a significant factor for new team members coming in, not for retention. But, for attracting new talent, just as a side note, so anyways, I went to my leadership team. And I was feeling kind of this burden just talking about the country club, Jerry, like I felt like we had established a very strong culture, loyalty. I think people really enjoyed it. We were sacrificing profit, and so we have a we have a philosophy in our company. people process profits in that order, but profits are very close third. Well, we were hemorrhaging. You can do math on how much that was a year, right? Most of us can do that. Mm-hmm. So anyways, I went to my senior leadership and I said, look, can we ask you a question? Do you unequivocally f- believe that our culture is tremendously strong and we're not going backwards, that we're going to just keep getting better? And they said, yes, absolutely. I said, okay, going into the next year, the absolute most important thing, assuming that the culture will not digress, is profit. And so, Jerry, we had, to, we had to embrace that. We had to stare it in the face and say, I will not allow us to lose those points this year. We built the culture. We've got some new team members. We're raising leaders. And now we have to go after it. And I think that's such a valuable point you made.
4: To me... The number one job of the CEO is proper allocation of resources. And resources can be money. It can be your employees. It can be, you know, whatever it is. But the CEO has to, man, you got to know your numbers. You've got to know your numbers. You've got to know your number. Like, I'm a broken record with that. And we live and die by numbers. Three or 4% on your, that's huge over the course of a year, especially if you're running one, two, three, five, eight shops. 4% over eight shops, you're talking some like crazy money, big right? And you must, you must, must,
0: must keep the business part of the business in business. Hey, I'm so glad we carved out this discussion. It was brilliant. I loved it. Uh, It could have gone a million different ways, but you are such professionals that you came on my show and delivered. So thank you all so much. We're going to go around the horn. We'll do Andy, Jerry, AJ, Darren, Brian, Andy, any final thoughts for our audience?
5: I think that we're actually in a unique time right now. We can actually witness in real time the difference in a large, large company between strong leadership and weak leadership. And it's two different guys, the same company, love them or hate them. But Jack Dorsey turned out to be a very weak leader at Twitter. And you could see where that company, just all these little fiefdoms popped up and it was getting very inefficient. And that works, that survives when everything's going up, when the market's going up, when your stock price is going up. But when things turn bad, that can get bad really fast. You know, Elon Musk came in and really shook things up. It may be ultimately be successful. It may not be. But he was able to really whittle down what that company is supposed to be doing. And there were a, t- a lot of naysayers. They were saying that Twitter's done. Well, Twitter's not done. It looks like it's going to be turned around. But I would recommend to everybody, there's a really great documentary on Netflix uh, called Return to Space. You'll get a sense of what, how people follow a strong leader. And it talks about Musk creating SpaceX. It's a really great example of what a strong leader can do even when he's in a controversial space. So uh, I'd leave everybody with that.
0: Great point, Andy. Thank you so much. Uh, good good thing to think about. Jerry? That whole Twitter conversation. It can...
5: <laughs> Jerry's not out on that yet. Yeah,
4: It's still too early. And, you know, you've got so much public opinion swaying it one way or the other i just personally don't understand the whole cancel culture thing uh you know we've got such a small minor number of people trying to i call it the tails trying to wag the dog mm-hmm. uh, you know we just gotta stick with what we know and what i know is this has been a great call i honored to be here. I think that uh, we run good companies. By being here, we're all trying to do our part to help the industry and help each other. So I'm just looking forward to it. I wish everybody a happy holiday season and Merry
0: Christmas. And thank you all. I know how busy you are, are, Jerry. I know you just came in from a trip. So uh, I'm always honored to have every one of you on my show. AJ.
1: Yeah, no, I, that goes without saying, too. Yeah, great to be here. This, this is a, a an amazing think tank of a group. Uh, so I'm very honored and blessed to be here. So thank you. But, yeah, I, I think really my final closing remarks here is just, again, at the end of the day, it starts with you. It starts at the top. And it's okay, right? Because everyone's got a different type of personality, but you still have the ability to be a level five leader. And I think of like the Steve Ballmer from Microsoft. He's like the Ric Flair kind of really outgoing and like just a really just out there attitude. And then you've got like, you know, the very soft-spoken, you know, the John Maxwell's of the world too. They're very soft spoken, but they're just all as effective as a leader. And you may have your own personality style, but you still have that ability to be a level five leader. So with that being said, just continue to develop yourself, continue to surround yourself with others that have been there, done that. Again, I recommend uh, just, just continuously developing yourself, the books you read, the people you hang out with, and then you're going to have that ability to inspire your leadership team, or if you just had a single store, just the people at your location. It's just like gardening. It's cultivating, right? It's it's uh, We have seasons and seasonality to our business, just like you would a garden. So all that being said, uh, invest in yourself and keep the head up.
0: Thanks for bringing all that up, AJ. Take leadership classes, get yourself a coach to hold you accountable, to help guide your leadership and encourage your own team your leadership team to become better leaders and let you help them thank you so much for that and i think of you know greg buckley just made a final comment thank you for all of this when i think of greg and his company and his his son and his son in law we have so many extended if you will leaders and or family in our businesses it's so worth for them to listen to this as you said aj think tank so thanks for that darren
3: I got to share this. I mean, when, when I think back that I'm actually on a podcast about how to group build a team. I mean, my brother and I, we started 20 years ago and I ran the front, he ran the back. We always had the attitude that, uh, we could do it better than anybody else. And it was horrible attitude. And literally I have a file cabinet that is completely full of all the people that have worked for us in the last 20 years. And the whole top drawer is literally full of people that, uh, you know, their employee files. And when I got a coach and it changed my life, Carm told the story. And it's one of those things I got this coach and he comes in and he's like, I understand you think you can do it all and you've done it really well, but you're going to die of a heart attack because you're going to continue to do what you're doing. And you're never going to have a team to help you to go to the next level. And once again, it's, it's a matter of what you don't know. And, and I didn't know that. To now be here with all these awesome shop owners, it's really humbling to me because it's like, I was there. I was that guy that was like, come on, seriously? That's not how we do this. And I would step in and I would show them how to do it. And I couldn't figure out why nobody would stay. Now today where it's like, I have a really strong, powerful team that grows and I can't believe how things are always growing and changing. And it's a whole lot of the lit, you know, where John Maxwell teaching. It's like, you know, you can only go so high until you figure out how to raise that lid, and It's very extremely difficult to do, but it can be done. I mean, something that AJ just mentioned is it's like, to any of you that are trying to figure out how to grow your business and do the things that you're hearing these guys talk about, continue to, to read. I mean, all the readers out there all or all the good leaders are readers. And I and I actually think that there's more to that because all good leaders are learners. You, know, you don't have to read. Listen to it on podcasts. Listen to it on books on tape, whatever works for you. But you can do this. I mean, you have to if you want to get to the next level. If you want to grow and, and actually enjoy life a lot more and be more fulfilled, you got to find the right people and, and then keep them. That's my, my thoughts for the day, Carl.
0: Thanks, Darren. Uh, I share with you, uh, while I was at Transformers, Brian, uh, Chris Chesney was there. As you well know, he did a great speech, and I interviewed Chris. It's been a while because he's been off doing some other things with the company Repairify. And one of the points that Chris made on stage was you don't know what you don't know. He says we have to change that to you don't know that you don't know. Oh, that's brilliant! It's awesome. <laughs> We're all, oh, throw yeah. that in there in the mix as a as a final piece here, and thank you for that, Brian. I'll let you have the last word. Yeah,
2: you know that that was challenging when he said that, and I almost felt like that's a precursor. Like first, whether it's making up your mind that you you want to go learn or be willing when somebody speaks into you to say, "I didn't know that I was ignorant about that." and then go learn the what. But that was great. I think I would leave it at this. I'll share a moment of vulnerability because somebody probably needs to hear this or relate to this. I struggled for 15 years with this dichotomy of wanting to be liked or wanting to be a great leader. And I will say that ultimately, I desired to be liked as a great leader. I had to finally draw the line. And so if you, for somebody that's feeling a little bit guilty about the accountability piece or about giving grace and where's the line, you have to. we had to finally establish two things. I had to say, what are my obligations? As long as somebody's in my company, what do I owe them? What's my responsibility? I say, okay, I'm going to give you 100% my very best when you're in the company. We're going to establish three parameters. Many of you have these, but we have to identify if they can't do it, if they don't want to do it, or if they don't know how to do it. We're going to exhaust ourselves, making sure they know how to do the thing, and then I'm going to be freed and I'm going to be liberated if we determine that they ultimately can't or don't don't want to then I can be free in my mind and my heart to know that we've established that and it's time to move them on. And at the end of the day, you know they talk about humble leadership and take somebody taking a bullet for their other person. And and I always laughed. I'm like, well, people don't write autobiographies about their own leadership talking about how humble they are, right? Somebody else writes that about them. You have to be careful. Like a mentor always taught me, don't read your own press clippings. So you're never doing as great as you think or you're never doing as bad. But I think draw the line, know what your responsibility is to your team as long as they're in your company, give them that. And then make sure that you are enforcing the most important things to preserve culture and ultimately, you know, profit in serving your communities.
0: <sighs> wow. A classic. Thank you. And, uh, and I think it's summed up very well. What a great think tank. Learn to lead. Empower your people. Brian Sump, Avalon Motorsports. Andy Biza, Midwest Performance Cars. AJ Neely, Neely's Auto Service. Jerry Kazaya, The Auto Shop. And Darren Barney, Barney Brothers. Thank you all so much. Have a great holiday.
3: Merry Christmas, y'all. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Thanks, Carl.
0: Hi, Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the Premier Automotive Aftermarket Podcast. Until next time...